Hello and welcome to the Stack Magazine's podcast. My name is Stephen Watson, I'm the founder of Stack, and this week I'm speaking to Joel Seawright, the man behind Rotten, an extraordinary magazine that reveals and comments on the process of magazine making. Joel left school aged 15 and struggled to find work without any qualifications, but he knew he loved photo books and he started playing around with the idea of making a magazine as a way of working with those photographers that he admired. He had no experience of publishing, he says he felt like he didn't have a voice, and moreover he felt like he needed to prove himself to his dad and show what he could do. The result is a magazine that is genuinely unlike anything else I've seen. It's scrappy and handmade and funny and opinionated. It's intensely personal, but it's also intended as this general demonstration that these days virtually anyone can make a magazine. I love the invention and the sense of fun in Rotten, so I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Joel Seawright. Uh, Joel, thanks so much for coming over. Thanks for having me. Uh, so we've got a pretty unusual magazine in front of us. Yeah. Uh, Rotten magazine. Actually, you know, I don't want to start putting on my assumptions what, of what I think this magazine is. Why don't you tell me what Rotten magazine is? Okay, well, I have always loved photo books. A lot of, you know, Japanese photo books and Irish photography. And I really wanted to make like an homage sort of to that. Um, and I thought that ma- a magazine would be the best way for me to have the freedom to work with the photographers that I like, that I don't see represented in independent magazines. Um, you know, it's not an editorial magazine. It's not a fashion magazine. I just wanted to show, you know, some interesting photographers. And there's some of my commentary in there. Um, that, that's about it. But the way you've gone about assembling that is very unlike a magazine that you might expect to pick up in the shops. So maybe if we just describe it a little bit to start with, I'm looking at a cover which is a black page with some uh, very intentionally messy white text on it, uh, which says, Rotten Magazine, Volume 1, Look Daddy, I Made a Magazine, with magazine not magazine right so what's going on here was to tell us what the decisions are behind that okay so i mean we wanted it to really look like a you know a childhood had a big part in making this it's about you know the whole theme of it is is the relationship between me and my dad so that kind of childlike element i wanted to really come out and then for the cover, I mean, it's quite a simple, plain cover, apart from obviously the scribbly writing and stuff. I wanted the cover to be illustrated because it's just full of photography inside. Um, and I wanted it to be quite simple because then inside you've got some very detailed uh, layouts that we spent a lot of time on. Um, everything's handmade, you know, hand printed, scanned, cut up, pasted, you know, uh, none of it is designed on on the computer and I wanted to kind of make something that did look different from other stuff at the minute because you see a lot of minimal, very digital, uh, like kind of web kind of looking magazines and we wanted to make something different. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that the theme here is your relationship with your dad and you go into a bit of detail uh, of that in the introduction. So yeah. 
you had wanted to, I think, sort of impress your dad, basically. Basically. I mean, a lot of people want to do that. I think it's something a lot of people can relate to. Uh, my dad's a photographer, so growing up, uh, everyone was always like, you know, are you going to be a photographer like your dad? And I really didn't. I didn't want to do that. Um, but I've always struggled to kind of get any um, appreciation out of him or, you know, recognition of stuff I'm doing. And I really want to make something for myself, but also to show him, like, that I was passionate about something. And I thought a magazine was just the best way for me to do that. And there's a little bit of a journey with this as well, because, again, in the magazine, you note that by the end, you realise that maybe you didn't need to go through that process anyway. But the, And actually, so you've made something for yourself yeah. rather than necessarily your dad. Yeah, yeah. In the end, it kind of turned out I didn't need to do this. And in the process of making this, I went through a lot of changes in my life that ended up, you know, uh, giving me that relationship with my dad that I wanted. And it wasn't the magazine that needed to do that. Um, but it took me making it to show that. And that's why through a lot of the magazine, I show a lot of the process of making the magazine because this magazine is all about the process behind it and um, kind of figuring out your voice and figuring out what we wanted to write about. And I think that's shown in the design and, and how things are laid out. Well, and I'd say a lot of that layout kind of... I love the humour that is running through the magazine yeah. and the amount of stuff which could look, I guess, sort of like you're saying with the design, the, you know, you've made pages that look like they've been thrown together, but you, yeah. but I mean, it's obvious, of course, they haven't just been thrown yeah, together. Yeah, of yeah. course, there's a lot of decisions that have gone on. Yeah. Similarly, you've got a lot of stuff in here, which looks like just sort of like a funny throwaway joke. But at the same time, obviously, of course, it's not, there's a message that like, to tell us about some of the ways that you went about putting this magazine together. Yeah, a lot of the stuff, it, it's kind of designed to look, you know, scrappy and, and kind of uh, thrown together, as you said. Um, but everything has been very meticulously made and I've spent hours and hours, you know, making everything look exactly how I want. And if that is to make it look rough, that's exactly, you know, how I've wanted it to look. The kind of process with making a lot of stuff was, you know, we moodboarded everything, then we sent that out to photographers, we got the pho some of the photographers we wanted. Um, and then it was just printing it all out and thinking like, what can we do with this? And uh, for Kieran's stuff, for example. So, so this is Kieran Og Arnold? Yes, Kieran Og Arnold, he's, he's an Irish photographer, I think he's from Galway. Um, yeah, we, we wanted to show the photographer's work in a different context because you can already go online and look at his work or you can buy his book and you can read about what the book's about and what the series is about so we didn't want to just show his images and describe what they are and what the series is we wanted to put it in a different context and show a different side to it and our way of doing that was well, I spent a lot of time looking at this Guardian article on his work, which is a review on his work, because the first thing we do is research the photographers. And I was looking through this article and I was like, maybe we could just uh, quote this and just reprint the article. And it 
cost something like 600 pounds to reprint it so i was like all right cool i'll just reprint all the comments and there's like 250 comments under it just Mm -hmm. people arguing about uh alcoholism and about you know brexit and and just some really like petty stuff and people debating like his class and whether he's allowed to take these photographs and they're some of them are hilarious um and i just thought it would be much more interesting to print that stuff and that kind of shaped the approach for the rest of the magazine so so we should say the uh, the subject of curious photography is people drinking in pubs in ireland yeah. so i guess there's like potentially uh, contentious uh, materials there but then I, you see, I don't think it's true to say all you've done then is printed the comments because yeah. actually you've taken a very strong editorial line on it in terms of the comments that you've pulled out and highlighted. Yeah. And again, there's that thing I said before of like, a lot of it's funny, like a lot of it's just really funny. But then also, clearly you're trying to make a point about like yeah. the ownership of these images. Like, who, like whose even are these for, for us to look at and play with? Yeah, I think it was about like, taking work that you would usually see in a gallery um which is typically viewed by you know quite rich or posh people you know most people don't go to galleries um and the commentary you usually hear in a gallery or something or about a photo book you know it's quite one note whereas i wanted to you know show what like normal everyday people think of this kind of photography obviously a lot of people hate it um, but I wanted to show you know uh, normal perspectives and I show a lot of perspectives in the comments that are highlighted Um, but it's not it's not necessarily about showing my view it's about showing many different views um, and and make letting you you kind of decide your own opinion on the work rather than telling you what you should think about it and you kicked all of this off by reprinting the letter that you got from the Guardian telling you how much it would cost to reproduce the article itself. And that was actually, that was the first thing that really caught my attention because I feel like you're reprinting that partly to show how expensive it would be to do this. But but then also, again, like asking the question of like, well, so whose is this? The, so you would say, you, you talk about um, wanting to focus on your photographers and that kind of confused me when I was reading it, but now I've met you and I know you're Irish. Yeah. That makes some sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, so what, what, like, what was behind the decision to reprinting that letter? Um, I just kind of wanted... I kind of wanted to show the like the difficult process of making a magazine. Like this is my first time making a magazine, and I had no idea what was in store for me starting this. I just emailed a bunch of people, and then I was like, okay, what do I write? I have no idea what to write. I don't have a voice. Like I don't know what my voice is. And when I started to figure that out and realizing how difficult a lot of stuff is, how expensive a lot of stuff is, and trying to uh, show people that you can do things your own way. Um, and obviously by printing uh, the invoice that they sent me kind of showed that um, there's a there's a different way to approach things mm-hmm. and also highlights some of the absurdity of this game that we're all playing yeah. in making new stuff to put out like the, you've come at this as somebody who wants to make a magazine to say something ostensibly to impress your dad but 
then the question is, so what are you going to say? So, the, yeah. so like, how, how are you going to bring this together? Yeah. There, there are, most of the magazine is in black and white, mm. and there are little patches of colour in there. So is that used to highlight particular bits, or is this literally just a question of expense because it's more expensive to print colour? Uh, there's no reason behind it other than <laughs> other than the photographers I liked mostly shooting black and white. Right. Um, but it you know it, it actually worked really nicely um, to have the little hints of color here and there. Um, but yeah, mainly the reason was just I like that photography. But we've started working on uh, volume two now, and our main goal is to fill it with as much color as possible. Still muted color because I want it, you know, I want it to look like the same magazine. But uh, yeah, that was one thing I actually wasn't too fond of. Really? So you you wanted more color in in the first issue? Yeah, I did. Um, I just I like black and white photography, and I and but I wanted to show you know show it in a different light, and I think by I think with a printed magazine, there's a lot more you can do. Um, and uh, the black and white comes out really well in the way we've printed it. Um, but I think there's more that we could do there. So tell us more about issue two then. How will the second issue be the same and how will it be different? Okay, so I think we we were really kind of scared about doing the second volume because this has such a strong theme and the illustration kind of supports that theme and it was really about me making my first magazine and dipping my toes into that world so this issue is kind of picking up where this one left off and kind of talking about what we've learned and looking back on stuff and how you can change things the main kind of theme for this one is nostalgia uh, which is obviously already a big part of the first the first volume so I don't want to get rid of that uh, design wise you know it's still going to be relatively similar obviously it's going to have lots of color in it um, the other big changes is we wanted more female photographers so I think we have so far we've got three or four female photographers uh, as opposed to only having I think two men Kieran is back again for this issue just uh, because we got on great and work together well um, and his new photos look great um, we have a Japanese photographer, which I'm really excited about because that is Japanese photography is a big inspiration for the work I've done, um, especially you know Japanese photo books and Desuke Yokoda and Daido Moriyama. You know that whole Japanese punk photography is a big, big inspiration for the for the work we put in this. Um, so I'm very excited about that actually. Did you know Kieran before you started this project? Um, I didn't know Kieran. My dad actually has, I think he taught him at uh, university, I'm pretty sure. Um, or they worked together or, or something. But um, I had done some, I had done some photography brochures. Um, and some of his work was in it. And ever since I did that, I was a big fan of his work. Um, and there's not a lot there's a big community of, of photography in Ireland and Northern Ireland, uh, but in, in terms of you know younger people, there's not that many that many uh, amazing photographers coming out that I've seen. There's a big community of, of photography, but I feel like 
he represented that uh, best and I've just been a fan of his work since I've seen it so I was really excited you know to see he's doing uh, new work and I think us doing the magazine together has almost kind of spurred him on to do really? more because he did this series I think in 2015 and hasn't really put anything out since then um, and he's only got one one book mm -hmm. it's quite a small book as well um, so it's really exciting actually to work with someone that I've looked up to for for many years that, that's fantastic and that, like that I think also shows one of the ways in which Rotten is different to normal magazines because very often when I'm speaking to people and uh, you know you ask well where did this come from it's because there's a community of people who are already working together yeah. and they want to show yeah. what that group is doing but you were coming into it as really an outsider the you know you didn't have those people around your house every night putting it together as a group but now it sounds like that's starting to come a little bit yeah it's growing i think i think because we haven't tried to tap into an already existing community or uh you know style or anything um it's kind of building a community we have a lot of irish photographers and japanese photographers that are starting to you know f follow the magazine which is, is really exciting for us because I made this, you know, for me really and didn't know if anyone was going to uh, be interested in it. So this kind of community of lots of different uh, cultures, but mainly people that are really, really passionate about photography. Um, and that's obviously the, the commonality that I have uh, with the people that are interested in the magazine. Um, but yeah, I definitely came in as an outsider and just a fan of the work that I put in it. I was surprised that most people actually replied, you know, to my emails. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just asking people and kind of hoping that someone would, you know, respond. So you also um, reproduce the emails uh, with some of your contributors. So there's a photographer, Ivalio Donchev, mm. uh, where you're basically going back and forth and he's kind of going, what is this thing? And you're like, I don't know, I haven't made it yet. And then, like, it seems to go quiet for a while and then it comes back. I guess this is you wanting to, again, show the process behind magazine making. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. So I actually made an entire magazine before this. It was still called Rotten, but it looked completely different. Uh, it had none of the same photographers except for him. And uh, when I met my girlfriend, I showed her the magazine and we I, I had got like a test print done. And she was like, it's terrible. It's, it's awful. Uh, what is this? Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's, it's, uh, this is rubbish. This is terrible. So I scrapped the whole thing and we made this together. And it's probably the best thing she's ever done for me. Um, and he was the only photographer that I decided to keep because I thought it would be funny to kind of uh, show, uh, show our kind of relationship from that. Because he'd been emailing me and emailing me, you know, where's this magazine? When's it coming out? Can I come to London to meet the team and everything? Obviously, it's just me in my bedroom. Uh, and, I, and I had probably been working on it for two years and then scrapped it. So I didn't know how to tell them that. So I wanted to show that process. And I wanted to kind of show the process of me learning and learning how to make a magazine. And also, I want to show everyone that, you know, they can they can make something too if they just kind of, you know, do it. You don't have to know what you're doing. But you do have to have a strong point of view. And that's something that I think you've got in spades. It's interesting you say that because I feel like I, ha I didn't have a point of view at all. And when I started making this, I thought 
you know, I don't have anything to say. Like, what am I supposed to write in this? I know how to design stuff. I know how to curate photography or whatever. I don't know what to write about. And I don't, I don't know, you know, I don't have a voice. I don't know what to say. And we must have written, you know, hundreds of articles about, you know, really weird stuff. We'd read Mush Pit, uh, like, uh, around the time of making this. And we were like, yeah, we can just write about whatever and we can write really silly stuff. (laughs) Uh, And we wrote, like, articles about, like, uh, how to tell, you know, or uh, what to wear to a gallery or, you know, just, like, really silly stuff. Or, like, we wrote an article about The Simpsons. Um, And then... And then I, I looked at all this, I was like, this is awful, like, we can't use any of this. And that's when I started just repurposing the the making of the magazine and the emails and everything. So you mentioned at the start that actually you probably didn't have to make this magazine in the first place for your dad, but other things have changed in your life. So uh, you mentioned DNAD shift. Mm. Um, what's the story there? What have you been doing? Okay, so DNAD shift is a program. I think it's in its fourth year now. They actually just finished their fourth year uh, this week. Um, it's a program where they you can apply for anyone that wants to get into advertising or you know the creative industries that doesn't have a formal education. So I left school when I was 15, uh, and really struggled to, you know, obviously get any jobs without an education. Um, and DNAD, basically, you kind of competed for a week to get into this course against hundreds of thousands or whatever applicants, and they pick 30 people. Um, I was one of them people. I mean, you were supposed to be living in London as well. I was in Belfast. I gave them my uncle's address because he lives in London. Um, I got on. And I was like, well, I'm going to have to go to London. And I ended up going to London. I didn't have anywhere to stay. I met Lucy, my girlfriend, on the course. She gave me somewhere to live. We kind of met through that and started making the magazine. So pretty transformational. Yeah, like my life changed completely through the magazine because it was stuff from the magazine that I had applied with. Um and yeah, it's kind of changed my life completely. I mean, I wouldn't be sitting here today talking about it or talking about my work. I couldn't have, you know, imagined this without DNA D shift. I probably, I'd probably still be in my dad's mm. on his sofa mm. playing Dark Souls or something. <laughs> <laughs> so you're now in London and you, you you're working in the ad industry for real. Uh, I've actually been working in the fashion industry. I don't know how that happened. I never had an interest in fashion but it's just how it happened um but i mean my real focus is the magazine it's just about trying to find a way to balance that and working uh but yeah i've you know been pretty lucky and uh i'd like to think some hard work has got me this way but uh yeah (laughs) excellent well um good work on that so far uh good luck with the second one uh and looking forward to seeing it uh thanks for having me Okay, that's all for this week. I'd like to say thanks again to Joel for coming over. Uh, People often talk about the ways in which their magazines have changed their lives, but I don't think I've ever spoken to somebody who's seen such a profound change as Joel.
If you want to get hold of a copy for yourself, head over to rottenmagazine.com where you can also pick up uh, limited edition posters and sticker packs. Uh, And of course, follow them there for news of that second issue coming uh, when it's ready. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to hear more conversations with independent magazine makers, check out archives for lots of editors and art directors and publishers speaking about the things they do. Just search for Stack Magazines in SoundCloud or iTunes or wherever you normally get your podcasts. And of course, if you follow us while you're there, we'll be able to deliver our next episodes to you as soon as they're ready. Thanks very much for listening to this one and we'll be back with another episode next week.